other name like the name of Jesus. Thanks, God. His name is higher, and his name is everlasting, too. We'll be speaking that name forever and ever and ever. Wonderful, beautiful Jesus. So good to see you on this long weekend. And uh, it sure has started off with a bang with uh, Oktoberfest. Can you believe we had over 230 boys and girls here in this auditorium? It was spectacular. It was amazing. And for Ali and her team and their passion and their heart for this generation, I just can't thank God enough. And also amazing workers and volunteers and uh, it was madness and mayhem and it was beauty and wonder. It was all those things in one, in one day. <laughs> it was fantastic. And so we uh, I'm just so, so grateful. And um, uh, uh, it's great to have uh, 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 Pastor Nicole with us from, from Darwin and her fully grown daughter, Hannah. <laughs> Wonderful. And uh, God, is, God is so good. Obviously, the weekend continues uh, tonight. Uh, it, it could end up being a longer weekend for some than for others. We'll, we'll, we'll just have to see. Uh, there, you know, there are some today who are really taking this courage culture to a new limit uh, by uh, coming in today uh, either courageous or crazy. I'm not sure which, but I will say this auditorium is a safe place. Not so sure about the car park, but the auditorium, the auditorium is a safe place. But let's just say to all of us, the rest, uh, everyone except for three people, let's just say, let's just say, let's not be too haughty. All right? Let's just, I mean, I know three in a row is pretty amazing, but there's a scripture that talks about, uh, let's just not be too haughty. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. All right. God is so good. Well, why don't you look at your neighbor and say, no word of a lie, you get better looking every time I see you. <laughs> and thanks, team. Thank you so much. And to those who have joined us either uh, at home right now or online, and I know other people through the week, uh, maybe they haven't joined us on the Sunday morning at the same time, but many uh, listens through the week, uh, people uh, uh, hear the message. And so just welcome to everyone uh, listening to us or watching us uh, digitally or, or online. It's always a, a joy and a pleasure. And I'm always humbled when I see the faraway places sometimes that people join us from, literally around the world. Uh, it's, it, that's pretty amazing. So today I'm sharing part two on the marks of manhood. We're talking about creating a courage culture for our sons and our brothers and for men. And if you're just new today, let me just say a few weeks ago, we shared on creating a courage culture for our daughters and our sisters and for women. But I just really have felt uh, strongly to talk about being a man, especially in the 
day, the present day we, we, we live in. So last week, we asked the question, what is the measure of a man? And we said that it's easy to be a male or a bloke or a bro, but how do you measure a man? Especially in a cancel culture with its progressive and woke ideology where men are demoralized and demonized. Where men are conflicted and confused on how to be a man in a culture that really leans into being anti-male and anti-masculine. And so the plumb line for us is God's word, not current culture. Current culture comes and goes, rises and falls, and gets more crazy. If you think it's crazy now, it just gets more crazy. But the plumb line for us is the word of God. The word of God is a hill we die on. And in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 13, we read this. Until we all attain to mature manhood. Until we all attain to mature manhood, the measure of the stature of Christ. To mature manhood, of which the measure is the stature and the fullness of Christ. Mature manhood, two Greek words, teleos anir. Mature, full grown, growing, mature. It can't even be translated perfect, but not in the sense of perfection, but in that which is full, fully grown and fully matured. Teleos, mature, anir, masculine, man, manhood. A manhood that is measured by the stature of Christ. We become a man by the measure of the man. The man, Jesus Christ. The man, Christ Jesus. He is the man. And so I'm teaching on the five marks of manhood that are the measure of his stature, the stature of the man. And these are the five qualities that describe and distinguish a man. Five characteristics that you must embrace and employ to grow into mature manhood. And, and here they are. Truthful. Tender. Tough. Trustworthy. And teachable. Truthfulness. Tenderness. Toughness, trustworthiness, and teachableness. These are the five facets that will bring a man to the measure of the stature of the man, Christ. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6 and verse 45, A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, treasure of his heart, his heart, brings forth good. Brings forth good things. An evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth evil. And so, if these five good treasures, truth, tender, tough, trustworthy, teachable, if these five good treasures are held in your heart, you will be a good man. 
And your life will bring forth good things. And in these five treasures, we find transparency because that's what truth is all about. We find humility because that's what tender is all about. We find tenacity because that's what tough is all about. We find responsibility because that's what trustworthy is all about. And we find accountability because that's what teachable is all about. And so these are the things that mark and make a man. Now, last Sunday, we talked about truthfulness, embracing truth, the truth, loving, leaning, living into the truth, speaking the truth, living an authentic and transparent life, not a perfect life, not a perfect life, only the man. Only the man has, has that uh, to his name. But a man, a man can live authentic. And he can live transparent. And he can live without posing and posturing and pretending. He can be real. He can be authentic. He can be transparent and vulnerable. Truthfulness. Tenderness. Toughness trustworthiness, teachableness. Now today, I want to talk about the second characteristic of manhood, tenderness. Not only being a truthful man, but being a tender man. Not only being a genuine man, but being a gentle man. And so we read in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself. You must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy. You must clothe yourself with kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You must clothe yourself because that's what grown men do. Although some of you, I'm a little sus. You must clothe yourself with tender heart, mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Put it on. Put it on. Get up in the morning and put it on. Clothe yourself. Tenderness and humility are the marks of mature manhood. Teleos on air. Truthfulness and tenderness are the measure of a man to the man. In Ephesians chapter 4, in verse 1 and 2, Paul says, from prison, Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And today we're talking about the calling to mature manhood. I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. 
Mature manhood is what we're talking about. And then he shows us how to do it. How do we walk in a manner worthy of it? He says, with all humility and gentleness and with patience, bearing with one another in love. And I tell you, this is the measure of the man, Christ. Your hands are allowed calluses, but not your heart. You're allowed calluses on your hands, but you are not allowed calluses on your heart. Tender, your heart, the treasure, your heart, out of your heart, tender-hearted, heart. You are to be tender-hearted, not hard-hearted, not calloused-hearted. And as a matter of fact, there's nothing more vital to your life than your heart. And I don't just mean that physically. I mean that spiritually as well. And according to the scripture, you are to guard your heart more than you guard every other treasure you have. You are to guard your heart. This is what the Bible says. You are to guard your heart. You are to keep it tender. Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else, above all else, above your, your prosperity, above your uh, business, above your uh, decisions, above your intellect. You are to guard your heart above everything else. Watch, for it determines the course of your life. Way more than your career. Way more than your investments. Your heart determines the course of your life. You've got to guard it. Another translation says this way. Above everything else. Can we get the picture here? Above everything else, guard your heart, for it is the source of life's consequences. My life is filled with consequences. Your life. All life is filled with consequences. And according to the scripture, my heart has more to do with the consequences that are in my life than anything else or anyone else. It's my heart. I can blame my life on a whole bunch of things. But my heart determines the consequences of my life. Guard. Protect. Garrison. Okay. So let's talk about your temper. Because you cannot be tender with a temper. Because you must lead your children and your wife and your life with a tender, not an angry heart. You can't be tender with a temper. You can't be tender-hearted and hot-headed. Now, I'm going to tell you the truth about your temper. It is your most vain and selfish possession I know. 
because I've used it to break the heart of people I love. Your temper screams, it's all about me. My rights, my feelings, my way, or the highway, it's all about me. It's self-centered, it is self-seeking, it is self-absorbed, it is narcissistic, it is egocentric. My temper declares that I love me more than anyone else and that I'm more important than everyone else. And that's why the Bible says in Proverbs 22, 24, make no friendship with an angry man and with a furious man. Do not go least you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. What's the dumbest thing you could ever do for you? Set a snare for you. Set a snare for you to get caught in. Set a snare for you to get trapped in. Set a snare for you to be imprisoned in. And that's what you do when you learn the ways of an angry man. A snare for your own soul. The Message Bible says it like this. Don't hang out with angry people. Don't keep company with hotheads. Bad temper is contagious. Don't get infected. After two years of COVID, we all understand what contagious means. And what degrees were we willing to go to and through? to not get infected with COVID that's here today and gone tomorrow even though it's a long forever tomorrow. So what do we do with our temper? Psalm 37, 8 says, stop. Stop being angry. Turn. Turn from your rage. Don't lose your temper. It only leads to harm. Where do we take our selfish and contagious and harmful temper? There's only one place. We take our temper to the cross. There's no other place. We take our temper to the cross. We read in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, looking unto Jesus who endured the cross. Looking at Jesus on the cross. Looking Unto Jesus, look at Jesus, look at Jesus who endured the cross, despising the shame. Look at him. Look at him. We go look at Jesus on the cross, bleeding and broken and beaten 
and violated and humiliated. We go to Jesus on the cross and we see him sinless, guiltless, faultless. There is no guile in him. We go and we look at Jesus. We bring our temper and we come to the foot of the cross and we look at Jesus on it. And like a lamb before his shivers, he is silent. And here I am, huffing and puffing. And there he is. The Apostle Peter said in 1 Peter 2.23, who when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he committed himself to him who judges righteously. Take your temper to the cross and look at the Son of God impaled upon it and see if you can justify the violation of my rights. Lord, bend that proud and stiff-necked eye. Help me to bow my head and die. Beholding him on Calvary who bowed his head for me. Oh, to be free from myself, dear Lord. Oh, to be lost in thee. Oh, that it might be no more I, but Christ that lives in me. Lose your temper at the cross. Lose it. Leave it at the cross. Clothe yourself with tinder and strip yourself of temper. Tinder is humble. Temper is hurtful and harmful and hateful. Tinder is the mark of a man. Temper is the mark of a child. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, 11, when I became a man, I put away, I put away childish things. Those three English words, I put away, is one Greek word, katargeo, katargeo. Those three words are actually one word. This is what, when Paul became a man, he katargeo, Childish things like temper. And I want to show you what this word means. I put away, cat argeo. Look at this. This is what you do. This is what you do to childish things. To render idle, unemployed. You need to unemploy that thing. Inactivate, unplug it, turn it off. 
shut it down, inoperate, to cause a thing to have no further efficiency. Come on, somebody. To cause to cease, to put an end to, to do away with, annul, abolish. To be severed from, separated from, discharged from, and loosed from, to terminate all interaction with. I put away. Kataregio. Take your temper to the cross, put it away, lose it, and leave it, because the mark of a man is tenderness. Tenderness. And you can't be tender with a temper. And I can tell you, if you're a temper, hot-headed man, when you're not losing your temper, those that love you and are near you are only waiting for the next time you do it. You may not even be thinking about it. They're thinking about it all the time. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 5. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be a tender man. Be a gentle man. A gentleman. Now there's a word that used to be used in the English language. A gentleman. A gentle, a gentle man, but a gentleman. What is a gentleman? Well, a gentleman is courteous and kind and considerate. A gentleman has good manners and good morals and good motives. A gentleman is thoughtful and respectful and helpful. He's polite and poised. He's caring and classy. A few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to do Jared and Elisa's wedding in Mittagong. And it was Sunday afternoon wedding, which we rarely do, but I drove from Penrith after church down to Mittagong. Carol had preached that morning in Canberra. So she was driving up from Canberra, I was driving from Sydney, and we would meet in this beautiful farm property in Mittagong for this outdoor wedding. When I got there, there was no place to park. I had to go back down bush and park between trees and the bush. There was no, and uh, went and was there with the wedding party. And a little while later, I got a text from Carol that said that she's just arrived. I, I, but I didn't, she didn't know how far she was going to have to walk to get to where we were. I was going to try to leave. The wedding was going to start any minute. I was, you know, how do I do the, and, and I want to make sure she gets here. And while I was there looking at her text, Sean McClement stood next to me. He saw what was going on. And here was Sean, impeccably classy young man. And he said, Pastor Jack. Would you like me to go find Pastor Carol, and I'll, I'll bring her down. I said, oh, mate, would you do that? He said, absolutely, I would do that. And so off he goes, and I'm not having to leave the wedding or the party, and I lucked out in a few minutes, 
And here come my wife on the arm. Dude, I thought maybe I made a mistake. <laughs> a polite and poised and caring and classy young man. Shout out to Sean McClement. A gentleman knows how to treat a woman. So this young guy from Tamworth <laughs> calls my daughter Carissa on the phone and talks with her for months. We obviously were locked down. And uh, so there's this interesting conversation going on. But one day, he's able to drive from Tamworth to Penrith, and they're going to meet for the very first time. And he's going, he's got a, I think, a picnic all planned. He's going to take her for a walk up in the Blue Mountains. And so, you know, we've heard the voice, or I actually, we hadn't even heard the voice. We had heard his voice through her. And so he's coming. And so that, I think it was a Saturday morning, he arrives. He comes into our house for only about 15 minutes. We meet him. Hello, Ryan. Nice to meet you. I uh, feel like we know you, but we've never met you. And uh, so, and so he walks out. He's got a nice ute. Uh, all I was impressed that it was really washed and 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 and, and you know really looked sharp. And but all that mattered to me, all that mattered, and Carol. So they go out the door, and Carol and I run behind the sofa in the living room, drop down on our knees, and look out the window through, the, through this year. Because I, we needed to know. I didn't care about his financial situation. I didn't care about his education. I didn't care how, how good looking. All I wanted to know is he going to open the door for her. That's all I wanted to know. Shout out to Ryan. Who's here this morning. And he's still opening her door. A gentleman is secure and sincere. And he's self-assured. It's kind of like men want to be him and women want to be with him. I mean, I read that somewhere. <laughs> but let me read to you from the Apostle Peter who was married. The Apostle Peter who had a wife. And a mother-in-law, because we read about them both in the, in the New Testament. Peter says this. 1 Peter 3, 7. In the same way, you husbands must give honor. You must. You must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife. Treat her with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are. In other words, you, you, you may be able to bench press more than her. Unless, of course, you're Paul Jay, who's married to a world-class athlete. <laughs> but for the rest of us, for the rest of us, yeah, you may be able to bench more than her. So she, in that regard, she may be weaker than you are. But get this, get this, get this. You must give honor. You must treat her. But she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life to you. Wait for it. Treat her as you should so that your prayers will not be hindered. God expects you to treat her well. 
with a motivational caveat that your prayers won't be hindered. God says, don't come, don't come around here talking me up when you've been talking her down. I'm not saying this. I'm reading this from the epistle of Peter, the apostle. That your prayers won't be hindered. Literally, hindered means cut off, man. You're talking, listen men, listen please. Your talking to him is contingent on your treatment of her. Honor. You must give honor. I want to show you this word in the Greek. Honor. It's the word time, which coincidentally in the English language just happens to come out T-I-M-E. Just maybe a little shadow of a thought. Of, it doesn't mean time, chrono chronology. It doesn't mean that. But I think it's interesting that you must give her T-I-M-E. 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 And this Greek word, this is what you must. This is what you must. And if you don't think God isn't watching whether you do or not, well, here's the caveat that we just read a while ago. You husbands must give honor, T-I-M-E, to your wives. This is what honor means, according to Strong's Concordance. This is what you must give her. Value. Esteem. Dignity. Now, let me show you what Thayer's Greek lexicon says about this word, time. Honor, which is shown. Honor, which is shown. In other words, something you do for her that can be seen, and not just by her. It's something you do for her that can be seen. Like opening the door for her. Like standing so she can sit. Like letting her go first. Like pulling a chair for her at the table. Like offering her your arm. Like walking on the roadside so she can walk on the inside, on the safe side. Value. Esteem. Dignity. Honor which is shown. Honor that can be seen. What's the marks of a man? Truthfulness, tenderness, toughness, trustworthiness, teachableness, transparency, humility, tenacity, responsibility, accountability, the marks of mature manhood that the measure is Christ. And the stature of the measure is Christ. So I'm going to ask the team to just please come. I'm going to reread the scripture I started with as I finish. And then I'm going to pray. You must clothe yourself.
but maybe you must take something off first. Maybe you must lose something first before you put something on. You must clothe yourself with tender heart did with tender heart did mercy kindness humility gentleness and patience could we stand please together can't be tender with the temper. It's got to go. I believe this morning is a perfect day for some men to push the reset button and to begin again. I believe today is a perfect day for men to take the most selfish possession they own, and that is their temper, and to bring it to the cross and to look at Christ on it there's no way you could ever justify your temper when you see what he did and what he endured. And you lose it there so that you don't ever have to lose it anywhere else again. And to be gentle. A gentleman. So I'm going to open this front of the church right now. I'm going to ask some of our key men maybe to just start making your way here. And any man... It would say something like this right now. I need to press a reset for me. When it comes to truth and when it comes to tender and tough and all these things, and I haven't even got into the other ones, but just these first two that I'm talking about. And maybe there's something in you that needs to actually do more than just assent where you are. For some, that's fine. That's all you need. There are other men here don't need that. You, you got this. You, you got this. There's some great men in this church, awesome men in this church. But then there's me. maybe there are others like me that we need to maybe clothe ourselves again that we may need to make a we may need to take a little walk down to the front of the church and if you need to do that I'm going to invite you to do that right now